Now, if, if you were making a major birth announcement, who would you contact first? Your spouse. That's important. That is very important. Well done. Yes, they should be aware. They should definitely be aware of that. And think of that with our girls, when, when they were born, um, I mean, the middle of the night call to the parents. And there's, there's some calls you love to receive in the middle of the night. And some really close friends, some calls you love to receive in the middle of the night. Well, today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that this is one of the most familiar passages of Scripture probably in the Bible because we read it every single Christmas, pretty much. So it's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to ask Rachel to come and read it for us. And I invite us to stand as we hear it. And let's just pray that God enables us to hear these familiar words in really fresh ways. I believe God has something to say to each and every one of us. Thanks for doing that, Rachel. Yeah, it's on. Yeah. Okay, so Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a, de- a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thanks, Rachel. Please have a seat, and I would invite you to have that scripture passage open. So you take out a paper Bible if you brought one, if you brought your phone, We're going to walk through some details of the story. Because every time there is a detail in the Bible, there is a reason for it. And so I want us to spend a little bit of time just wondering at this story. So, baby Jesus is born. Who is the first group of people outside of of the spouse, thank you, outside of the immediate family who hears the news? Shepherds, exactly. 
Why shepherds? Why shepherds? Why not like the local cheesemaker? Because like everybody loves cheese. That would be good. Or, you know, why, why not a fisherman? The shepherds believed in God, but fishermen don't? Well, after the fact, okay. Okay, so shepherds. Why shepherds? Lowly, okay. Yeah, because shepherds, shepherds were people, they, um, shepherds, it, it, was, it was a working class person, so they're not way, way, way up there. But I mean, shepherds, they didn't have great reputations, but they weren't really despised either. I mean, King David was a shepherd, so it's a noble profession with a few hazards. Because, I mean, you, you know, you're, it's dangerous because your number one responsibility is to protect the flock. So sometimes you have to fight off wild animals. It's long hours. You have to be out in the fields. Or, or most of the year, you're not in the fields. You're actually in what's called the wilderness. You're out further than the fields. We're going to come back to that detail in a minute because it gets really interesting. Okay. So, th- so the shepherds, they've got to protect their, they've got to protect their sheep. Um, and they spend long hours alone. So... <laughs> You could think of him a little bit like a long-haul trucker. Now, one of my guilty pleasures, a uh, little like reality TV show, is Outback Truckers. Any other Outback Trucker fans? A couple of you? You don't need to admit to it. but um, So, so if, this is like Sunday afternoon viewing if I, if I want a nap. But it's really kind of cool. Because you see these guys, and they are on the road for like three, four days at a time driving across Australia apparently. So it's long distances. And see, with long-haul truckers, kind of like with shepherds, they could benefit from a little more socialization than they actually get. Their hygiene has slipped a little bit. Their social skills, not so hot. But they're still, they're still highly respected people doing an important job. Aren't you grateful for the long-haul truckers in our country, right? So it's a little bit like that for the shepherds. They're a little socially distanced and stuff like that, but but you know, but it's still a good job. So why the shepherds? We're going to come back to that. When did this happen? When did this story happen? Now, I know that we celebrate the birth of Jesus in December. I know that. Um. Now, you have to promise, well, promise to not hate me for what I'm about to say. It is, did you, what you okay, let's, let's have a promise that you're not going to hate, you're, you're going to be okay? Okay, just strap in. All right, we're going to do some deep biblical study here. Because see, Christmas, like the birth of Christ wasn't actually, we didn't actually begin to celebrate that until the year 330 under Constantine. So a couple hundred, well, more than 200 years after Jesus's. Uh, life, and some of that was because they needed to replace uh, a Roman festival. Uh, ironically, the Roman festival it was replacing was the Festival of the Unconquered Sun, S-U-N, like right after the winter solstice, and it got kind of, the, the parties got kind of funky, and Constantine wanted to Christianize the Roman Empire, so he said, let's all celebrate it in December. Wouldn't that be great? But... Here's where you, here's, buckle in, okay. It is very unlikely that Jesus was actually born 
in December. Very unlikely. Um, the, the, the historical evidence, and more importantly, the biblical evidence, seems to, po to point, I think, most likely to late September or possibly early March. Here's why. So the late September, because we do know about Zechariah, the, 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 the priest that shows up earlier in the story, and we know when his priestly division would have served in the temple, and so roughly, so we know roughly when Elizabeth conceived, so we know roughly when Mary conceived, and so that would actually move the timeline to September. But there's another detail that has to do with the shepherds that's kind of interesting. So the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks in, in the fields that were where? Got your Bibles open, right? Shepherds in the fields... Nearby. <laughs> Nearby. Nearby. That's actually an interesting thing. Here, here's why. Because, oh yeah, you can put that. In the, in, the, in the shepherd, in the fields, nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's normal. Shepherds watch over their flocks. But there were only two times in the year when they would have the, the, the herds of sheep nearby. Because, see, the, the fields that were nearby were wheat fields. Ask anyone in Waterville. They don't, they don't run their cattle herds through the wheat fields. Why? Because the cattle eat the crop. You don't want that to happen. So most of the year, the sheep were in the far fields. They were up in the wilderness. They were up in the woods. They were up grazing on the, in the high country where the fields nearby were generally sown crops. But there were two times in the year where they would bring the flocks closer. One was right after the fall harvest, because then the, the sheep can go through and they can eat the little dregs of things and they don't cause any, any damage or anything. And then usually in the winter, they would have the sheep would be very close to town in the pens because now the grasses on the field are dead and so now you're having to feed the sheep and so they're going to be close to home and in the sheep pens. And that's also generally, at least for the breed of sheep in Israel, that's generally lambing season. We're going to come back to that as well. So, it was, so the birth of Jesus in all likelihood happened sometime in late September after the, uh, after the, the harvest, possibly early March. Very unlikely for actual winter. Another bit of evidence that maybe points to the late fall is the fact that, it, that late fall is also taxation season because you've just all got your income and so the government wants its part of that. And, and so with there being a Roman census, it would make a lot of sense to take the census during tax time. And once you get too far into the season, and we can relate to this as well, the roads get bad. And so you're taking an unpopular census and you're making it even worse by making people travel over all these really horrible roads. Has anybody driven the pass to Seattle recently? Well, right now they're okay, but a couple days from... You know what I mean. We experience the same kind of dynamics. So, it's likely sometime in the late fall and the harvest is done and the shepherds are in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. Then what happens? An angel. An angel comes 
and visits them, and they are what? They're terrified. Why are they terrified? They're terrified because angels are scary. Every single time an angel shows up in the Bible, the the angel, even though the Greek word angelos just means messenger, this is a warrior figure representative of God. Angels are strong. Angels are large. Every single time an angel shows up and somebody encounters an angel, actually not quite every single time, almost every time an angel shows up in the Bible, the first words they say are, fear not. Why? Because people are totally losing their cool. They are absolutely terrified. So you would be as well. So they encounter this angel. And the angel says, fear not because I give you good tidings of great joy that shall be for who? All people. If you've got your Bibles, underline that. That's really important. For unto you this day is born in the town of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. And right after that, what happens? Great company of the... Now, what's that? That's more angels. Now, this is one of the places in the story where our imagination, I mean, it's well-intentioned, but our imaginations, we actually miss some key details in the biblical story. The word angel host is not a choral term. Like, isn't this a great big choir? An angel host is a military term. It is an army of angels. Remember that one scary angel you just saw? What would happen if if suddenly, just like 10,000 of them just came across the sky? It's a good thing if shepherds soiled themselves, no one would know because they're, you know, they're, they're hanging out with sheep all the time. They don't smell so great. But this would be, it would be, absolutely overwhelming. This is a scene for just a moment that's a little bit like that Old Testament scene where where Elijah is praised and he says, open their eyes. And and they look around and they see this incredible angelic army all around them. This is a moment where the shepherds see, have a chance to see for a moment the spiritual reality around them. There is an entire angel army army on site in Bethlehem. If we read Revelation chapter 12, it tells us why. They're on, they're on security detail. Because the most important birth ever in history is, is happening at that moment. And unbeknownst to the old little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the lie, unbeknownst to all of that, there is a massive spiritual battle and, and Satan and all his minions are doing every, everything they can to destroy this child. And so you have an angelic army keeping watch. It's not just the shepherds keeping watch. An angelic army is keeping watch. And for a moment, for a moment, the shepherds get to see it. You realize that all around you there are spiritual forces and spiritual dynamics. All of those things are going on around us all the time. We're just mostly unaware of it, and that's okay. But if we could see, if we could see 
with God's eyes. There is so much more going on than what we see. So, an angel comes, talks to the shepherds, give you good news. It's, it's great joy for all people. A Messiah, a Savior is born in the city of David, and this shall be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, or King James swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger. This is the sign. Swaddling cloths and manger. Swaddling cloths and manger. Now, a baby wrapped in cloths, that's not actually that unusual. Now, my wife's a, a labor and delivery nurse. She likes to talk about how all the babies, they like a little baby burrito. You know, they like to get all kind of, get all, all wrapped up. So, and, and if, if you ever had children, you probably did the same thing. You just, you wrap your baby up and they're all happy, okay? So, so that's not super unusual. But the manger thing is, what's a manger? It's a feeding trough. And as it turns out, that's actually something in uh, most... We, we learn this from archaeology, actually. In most of the homes in Bethlehem, there would be one or more mangers. See, every, every one of the homes back... Or any working class home, I should say, back then, would have, um, as part of the home, whether that's the lower level of the home or that's just kind of a... Like a, like almost like a little shelf, and then you go down about two or three feet, you would have an area, like a stable area, where you would keep the animals, especially at night and especially in the winter. For the very same reason that you, that you either have a garage or you wish you had a garage. Because you want to keep your most valuable assets in some place where they're going to be safe. So at night, you bring the animals in to this little kind of stable area inside the house, so that the animals would be safe and, 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 and also you get the bonus that, that, you know, the warmth of the animals helps to heat the house a little bit. And, and so in that stable area, you would have one or more of these feeding troughs. Actually, modern, uh, there are some recent archaeological digs in Bethlehem reveal that, that they, they're often there were mangers kind of built into the floor. So you got this, the, like a floor and then a lower level where they, where they you know, at about kind of um, feeding height. You know, you have these little kind of little feeding trough mangers in the floor. That's a weird place to put a baby. This will be a sign to you, shepherds. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laid in a Manger. In a manger. Now, if you're a shepherd, um, you would have you have two major jobs. The first one, the number one job, is of course to care for and protect the sheep. That's why you watch over the flocks at night. That's why in the um, in the early spring before the, the fields are planted, you would have your flocks in the nearby fields. And then in the summer, you would take them up further in the hillside, up into the, to the wilderness. You're farther away from family, but you're keeping, you're watching the flocks. 
Then later in the fall, after the harvest, you would bring them, bring them back to the, to the closer fields. They can eat the stubble from the fields. And then in the winter where it's getting colder, um, you, you bring them closer to town. And you're, now you're keeping them in pens. You're keeping them in the, in the stables. And that's also the time of year most often when you're doing your other most important job as a shepherd, which is helping with lambing. See, uh, sheep are notoriously bad birthers, so they need help. They often need help. And so shepherds would be on site. They'd be watching, uh, even watching through the night uh, during lambing season to make sure that if a, if a, if a sheep is giving birth, that it's, it's got assistance if it needs it. And as these little sheep, these little lambs are being born, the shepherds are watching. They're watching for something really special in some of the lambs. Now, uh, Bethlehem is just a few miles away from Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there's a temple. And the most major part of the, of the, of the temple is the daily sacrifices. The, the morning and evening burnt offerings. The morning offering about nine in the morning, rough equivalent. The evening burnt offering about three in the afternoon, rough equivalent. And so you have two lambs every day that are being slaughtered in the temple for the burnt offering. Every one of those lambs would need to be, a, they need to be male, they need to be about a year old, and they need to be without spot and blemish. It's this perfect lamb, a sacrificial lamb. So these lambs are worth more. So if you're a shepherd, you're watching for the lambs, that we, like for that special lamb to be born. The firstborn lamb of a sheep, because you know your flock, you know what, what the firstborn is. Watching for the firstborn male. And watching to make sure that it's got no spot or blemish. It's got no injuries. It's got no funny markings. And when you see that lamb, you want to make sure that lamb is protected because that lamb is, is worth more. It's very important. So you don't want that lamb in those first kind of critical hours after birth when it's flailing and blah, all this stuff. You don't want it to hurt itself. So what do you do? What do you think you do to the lamb to help it with its flailing? In what? In cloths. And of course, you're, you're worried about this lamb getting trampled by other sheep in the, in the, the sheep pen or up in the field if the, if the birth happens up in the field. So you want this lamb, you don't want this, this lamb, this sacrificial lamb, you don't want it to get injured. So where do you put it? In the feeding trough where it can be safe. Shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And the shepherds 
would be uniquely qualified to know what that means. It's so interesting to me that in the opening moments of Jesus' life, the very first birth announcement, we see a snapshot of the entire gospel. A Savior has been born. And this will be a sign to you. The, the, can we put that, that passage up on, on, this, on the screen again? I bring you good news, verse 10, that will bring you great joy, that, uh, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Messiah is born, the promised one of Israel, the one who will set Israel free. And shepherds, shepherds, this will be the sign to you. I love that sound, by the way. There's no more appropriate sound on a Christmas morning. This will be a sign to you, shepherds. You're going to know what this one means. He will be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is not just directions on how to find the baby shepherds. Though it is at least that. Shepherds. This is what this baby is. This is who this baby is. The Messiah is the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. And then moments later, the sky explodes. Explodes with it, with this heavenly army shouting glory to God in the highest and peace on earth on those whom His favor rests. This is good news, not just for Israel, but for the entire world, friends. That is the gospel. Jesus is the Messiah, the perfect Lamb of God who brings peace to the entire world. This will be a sign to you, shepherds. It's as if God is saying symbolically, shepherds, you're going to know. This is the Lamb of God. And then notice later in the passage it says, and they praise God for all they had heard and seen because they found the baby just like the angel said. Now, um, remember how I said that Bethlehem is just a few miles away from Jerusalem? That means that many of the lambs that were born on the Bethlehem hills and in the Bethlehem fields, perhaps, and in the Bethlehem stables Many of those lambs, the ones that were without spot and blemish, they were the lambs that ended up being sacrificed in the temple. 
Same shepherds, same lambs. And about 33 years later, Jesus, after his ministry of teaching and preaching and healing, this Jesus who claimed to be God incarnate, whoever's seen the Father has seen me, this Jesus who the, 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 the religious officials were so upset with his message that they, they accused him as blasphemy for claiming to be God. They arranged for his crucifixion. And Jesus was hanging on the cross on a hill just outside of Jerusalem. Does anybody remember what time in the day Jesus actually died? Three o'clock. Does anybody remember what Jesus' final words were? It is finished. What time is the evening sacrifice in the temple? Three o'clock. Do you know what is said as, as a priest would slit the throat of a lamb? You'll never guess. And so three o'clock in the afternoon on that day, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he speaks these words, it is finished. And about a mile away across town in the temple, a priest slits the throat of a lamb. And as, and as the life drains out of the lamb, the priest says these words, it is finished. Because it was. What do you think are the odds that both lambs who died in that moment were born in Bethlehem? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is no one else like him. That's why Christmas, whenever we celebrate it, is an incredible, incredible day. Shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You'll find this baby, this Messiah baby, wrapped in cloths and laying in.